Let's get ready to shift our shit with the SOS podcast featuring Megan Bartley and Rob Giltner. Yeah, hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Monday, another show, SOS. I'm Rob, as always, joined by Megan. Megan, how are you feeling this Monday morning? I'm feeling pretty great. I, I look forward to our recording so much that, like, Mondays are so exciting for me because I'm like ready to go and thinking about what's our topic going to be today because we we don't really plan these out. We have a list of topics we know we want to cover, but um, I have a fun one today. So I I hope that um, other people find it interesting as well. Yeah, and I, I like these Monday conversations too. And I think today's going to be really interesting because it's kind of like I get a little bit of the Sunday scaries the night before, not like overly anxiety, but more of like, okay, I got to, we got to hit the ground running for the week. And so the Monday can be just mind racing of here's what I got to do. Here's what I got to do the rest of the week. And this kind of breaks it up. It really slows down some things that are very reflective. Yeah. And it sets a nice pace, I think for the rest of the day and the week. And so hopefully whenever our maybe listeners are listening, that it uh, does something similar to, to them. But you're yes. talking about now today, maybe one of the most important, one of the most important aspects of our health. And that is what, Megan? Sleep. Sleep. Mm-hmm. I think people, you know, everybody I talk to, especially like in these in this mid 40s, when you're in your 40s, and I, I like to call it the fuck it 40s, which will be a whole nother talk, topic yeah. we'll do at some point. But um, there's you know, it's like at some point you start talking about the weather, you know, like I think I'm in the season of life where everybody's talking about sleep and, you know, not sleeping and getting enough sleep and how, you know, how do you do it and you know all that stuff. So, but I saw, I was watching, I, I do, one of my guilty pleasures is watching the Today Show or, and CBS Mornings. Um, I like them both. Um, but they were talking a lot about sleep this morning and it was Savannah Guthrie and they were like, we're obsessed with sleep. We want to know more about sleep and why we should sleep and how we sleep and all this stuff. And I have a little bit of a different take on sleep because um, I, I'm seeing a lack of or something that's been missing maybe or I'm not hearing about in all these discussions about how to get good sleep and all that. So, um, so yeah, I thought it was important to talk about that. Maybe this will be one of my books one day and I'll, you'll see me on the Today Show or CBS Mornings mm-hmm. promoting this book. And they'll be like, oh my gosh, Megan, we're so glad <laughs> you, you've cracked the code for us or something. I don't know. And then I'll send in this video recording of this podcast <laughs> and they'll play it as like, you know, a kind of a joke and say, hey, well, you called it. Yeah, a premonition, well, right? Well, why, why is sleep? I think we can all recognize like, well, it's important because we can feel when we don't get a good night's sleep versus when we do. But it is like it's on the Today Show. There's now apps and rings and watches that track it and even kind of go into the forms of how you recover, which I I might kind of talk about. But why now do you feel like it's kind of picking up steam? It's trending. Uh, You know, I think because people are really, I think the pandemic has had us sort of focus on what matters and what doesn't matter. And we, for a long time, maybe we focused on a lot of things that didn't matter, you know, Uh, and now it's sort of like you've spent 
two years in a house with your family and you're noticing things differently of like how we get along in relationships, which is, you know, right up our alley here at SOS. And, um, you know, are we taking good care of ourselves? What What is self-care? I think, you know, that's another topic I'd really like to talk about is sort of the myths of self-care, you know, that we, you know, people say, oh, well, I don't want to go get my nails done or I don't want to, you know, I don't, I, yeah, massage is great, but it's great for that 60 minutes and then it's done, you know, but I think, you know, what sustainable self-care is paying attention to you know, what is it that you're needing? How are you best taking care of yourself? So sleep is definitely one of those things. I know people go to, you know, exercise and eating well and all that stuff. And those are wonderful ways to beat yourself up for feeling like you're not doing enough, right? Which is not Mm -hmm. our MO at all. We're all about how do we set people up for success and how do we create win-win scenarios? Um, And even, and that's why I think a lot about sleep we talk so much about sleep. And then what I notice, and I've read a ton of books about sleep. People have given me a ton of books about sleep. I have clients who are like, okay, I finished this book here. I'll hand it off to you if you want to read it or pass it on to one of your Mm -hmm. clients or something. And, but it doesn't really help them. I mean, it might give them a little bit more information and it might even, you know, cause them to be even more anxious because like, oh shit, this is really important and I still can't sleep. You know, it's like right. it's not yeah. helping people get what they're needing. It's just telling them why it's so important, you know? So um and and honestly like I've been so focused on this idea of rest rather than sleep. And really it came, which is just to be interesting for you, we might have already talked about this of when I was, when I had my first kiddo and I, I w- went to this um, pre-parenting class because we were living in Austin, Texas at the time. And that was like a thing that you go to mm-hmm. a pre-parenting class. So while you're pregnant, before you have the baby is just sort of thinking about parenting a little bit differently, especially like parenting a baby. Cause you know, you're not doing like, you know, uh, discipline or correction or that kind of stuff when they're babies, you know, in those first six years, I want everybody to hear this first six years, uh, six and under are so affect oriented that everything is really about redirecting, right? Like you're not going to be logical and rational with uh, kiddo six and under. And I saw that, I think I've already mentioned this in another podcast. I saw that so clearly when my kids were seven, like towards the end of them being seven, where it was like, oh my gosh, something shifted and they're more logical, rational. But anyway, I digress. So when we were taking this pre-parenting class, it made me think of all sorts of things. Um, And, but uh, one of the things was, you know, new parents sometimes feel restless you feel kind of restless because you're worried about the baby is the baby breathing is the baby still Mm -hmm. alive you know like what if the baby starts crying any minute and i've just gone to sleep and then i'm going to be upset that i can't get my sleep because i got to go take care of this baby i mean i remember so clearly that's my wife's going through that right now yeah yes yes and so um one of the um classes we had or the lessons we had was about don't worry about sleep. Don't, don't, don't be focused on how much sleep you're going to get. Just focus on resting. And I was like, what, you know, like, what does that mean? Cause I'm, 
you know, tend to be a little bit type A. <laughs> so I'm, I'm a doer and my love language is acts of service. Um, but uh, I, you know, started really thinking about that of like, okay, well, if I can't fall asleep or my mind's racing, can I just lay here and rest? What would that look like? And how can I do that? So for the last well, almost 13 years now, I've been really focused more on rest because my sleep is interesting. I'm sure everybody has had like progressions of sleep where, oh man, I could sleep so hard when I was in my 20s and then I hit my 30s and then this and now 40s. So um, yeah, but this idea of resting, sort of resting your body, is there a way to rest your mind you know, and maybe we'll talk about a few suggestions I have today of, of doing that. And sometimes when we rest our body, we sort of welcome, we invite the body to rest. We are also wanting to see how the mind will follow in the body's response to rest, you know, like, Mm -hmm. um, or vice versa. But for most of us, we can maybe lay still, but it's hard to get our minds to kind of slow down and be uh, calmer. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, again, can kind of relate to, you know, good sleep, but what, what positively, or what, yeah, what kind of are the positive effects of good rest do you feel like? Well, I think just taking away this idea of stressing yourself out over getting mm-hmm. sleep and just focusing now on rest, right? Like most, a lot of people have a hard time just sitting down and sitting still and not like doing something, right? Like most of us, I've been noticing this about myself even of like when I'm waiting in a line you know, can I just stand there and wait in a line, whether it's for at the grocery or wherever, you know, like, can I just stand here or do I, do I feel the need to pull out my phone? Do I need to be, you know, talking with someone? Is my, am I looking at things and having a conversation in my own mind? So part of this is just noticing in your everyday life, which is, you know, the kind of mindfulness we practice is just being mindful in everyday life of, you know, where your mind goes during the day, right? And so paying attention, like, or even if you're driving or you're sitting at a red red light or something, like, can you just sit at that red light and just kind of focus on the red of the light and just sort of zone in on one thing, right? So, because I think for so many of us, our minds are just constantly going, you know, whether it's just noise, chatter in our minds, we're thinking about something, we're trying to solve a problem and we're trying to work it through and stuff, which are all wonderful things. And Mm -hmm. what I found though, is that productivity also needs rest. Yeah. But I always think so that, you know, one component of mindfulness is the monotasking because our brains naturally multitask and the speed at which they multitask intensifies based on emotional like kind of like charges and so yes. maybe if if i'm you know a 10 miles per hour of multitasking is maybe a normal day i'm driving this person is kind of speeding in front of me here's this happening or i'm at work and you're like here's this note but what am i doing next client and what am i doing for dinner and what's you know who's picking up the baby all that is multitasking and within your mind which is kind of the exuding 
emotional and mental energy and which is why rest is so important. But then when it's really necessary, if I'm, if we turn up to go to 30 miles per hour, maybe, and that is, okay, I'm stressing, um, you know, I have to pay a bill. I don't have the money for it. And then, you know, 60 miles yeah. per hour, maybe like something, you know, yeah, I have a family who is in a serious health condition, you know, then that, so that multitask makes things really, really quicker. And now you're spending then more emotional energy and mental energy. And so it just seems like, yeah, then that makes rest. Right. Extremely well, I love vital. Yes. And I love the fact that you brought this sort of over to energy um, because, you know, I'm a Reiki practitioner, mm-hmm. uh, Karuna Reiki master. And I think I think about a lot of things in terms of energy and how like energy flow because energy flows, right? It flows or it's dormant or it's stuck. And so, you know, I've been practicing Reiki mostly on myself and my family and clients like I kind of, you know, send Reiki through words um, and in my presence, I don't do like hands on Reiki. Um, and then I've been uh, learning from, you know, I have Reiki done to me and um, learning a lot about energy flow. And so one of the things I've been learning, I like that you're using miles per hour. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this probably won't shock you. But the way I describe it is like my, I have thoughts coming in at like 300 miles an hour, mm-hmm. like all the time. And so, and that, you know, I've realized like, you know, like I am an idea person, but I'm also a get shit done person. And it's almost like, okay, which ideas do I pay attention to? And which ideas do I not? Like, which are the ones I want to follow through with and which are not? Because I can't do them all, you know, because I don't have enough physical energy to do all those. Mm -hmm. So this is also something to think about is like, how fast are your thoughts? Um, And one thing I'm, and so, well, I'll finish my thought about this is what I've learned (laughs) to do is allow my physical speed to be at you know for me 30 miles an hour is pretty slow um Mm -hmm. 30 miles an hour or three miles an hour while my energetic energy is going at 300 miles an hour so it's like i'm not i'm not shutting it down i'm not shutting the ideas down i'm not shutting my motivation down i'm not shutting my drive down I'm just saying, okay, you do what you do, and I, but I'm going to go at this speed because otherwise I would probably be having a heart attack, you know, or something because mm-hmm. I can't go that fast. And I think that's a lot of reason why I've spent so much of my life before now being a pretty anxious person, you know, like I feel like I was always in a fight, flight, or freeze mode. <clears throat> and I think part of that is just understanding my energy or how, ener- how I, you know, react to all that energy. So anyways, yeah. that's, maybe we, we still, we keep talking about needing to have a Reiki um, episode, but yes. Yeah, so energy, find it very interesting and how much physical energy, emotional energy, mental energy, but also just, so, so that's an interesting thing. So, and for entrepreneurs, especially, you know, people who own their own business and stuff, you know, the energy, you have your own energy, but then you have the energy of the business, you know, I mean, there's just all sorts of different ways to look at this, but, um, you know, the speed one, one, one exercise I do with clients, right. That I, I kind of ask, uh, clients to experiment with is to 
pay, you know, listen, like notice the speed of your thoughts, right? Like mm -hmm. if you, in any, in any given moment, we usually don't do this in a therapy session, but I, cause I want them to go off and notice it, you know, cause um, it's a little bit different when you're in therapy mm -hmm. versus not in therapy room. But, um, you know, if, if you notice your, your, the speed of your thoughts, like you were saying, like, are your speed mm -hmm. of your thoughts, like 30 miles an hour or a hundred miles an hour or whatever, can you make them go faster? Mm. Most of us would say yes. Right. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel good when we make them go faster right. because it feels more anxious, if you will. Right. So, but I say just experiment with, you know, going faster. And for a lot of people, they describe that as like a hamster on a hamster wheel. And, you know, you're running, 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 running on this hamster on this hamster wheel, but you're really not getting anywhere. It's just more thoughts. Just thoughts are coming fast. So I say, you know, if you, your thoughts have momentum or movement, and if you can make them go faster, then you can also make them go slower. Right. So if you imagine, you know, like I did a visual, I think once one of the guided meditations we have online on the mindfulness website, I think talks about, um, you know, imagine yourself, you're a hamster on the hamster wheel and you're going, 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 going. So think of yourself like speeding up even more, like, you know, going at your heart's heart's, you know, fastest what it can take. And then notice like, okay, what if you go a little slower? What if you slow it down on the hamster wheel, right? And you're just really paying attention to going, you're slowing down. And maybe now you're just walking on the hamster wheel. Mm -hmm. You know, what would that be like to just walk on the hamster wheel? Just imagining yourself walking on the hamster wheel. What if, what if, if you were ready for it, what if you actually stepped off the hamster wheel? Wow. What if you actually stepped off? You took, you know, and now you're looking at the hamster wheel, you know, it's next to you versus you being on the hamster wheel, right? Mm -hmm. So that can be a really powerful exercise and something that people can do. You know, a lot of our, well, a lot of the homework, quote unquote, homework I give clients is really a lot of just visualizing, you know, experimenting mm -hmm. with visualizing or thinking about because, you know, most of my clients are really good at thinking and so you know it's just giving them something different to think about so that's what i think about too with resting you know like that's allowing a way a visual an experiment to get your mind to possibly rest right because you're noticing on a hamster wheel it can go faster if it can go faster then it can go slower it's just mm -hmm. about putting the intention and it's not it's you will fuck this up you know i tell clients all the time i'm like you're gonna go home and you're gonna experiment with this and you are like damn it i can't quote unquote get it right right like and i'm like you will fuck this up so don't think you're gonna be perfect at this immediately so give yourself some grace be kind and gentle to yourself right and that alone that kindness and gentleness versus beating yourself up and, you know, criticizing yourself, that kindness and gentleness is also very restful too. Mm -hmm. You know, that criticism is something that, you know, will chatter and chatter in your mind because it's, you're essentially just telling yourself you're not good enough. You know, you're not mm -hmm. doing it well enough and to whose standard, right? Right. So, anyway. and, well, and you mentioned the, 
the hamster wheel and mindfulness kind of tools, but, and I'm sure it looks different maybe to everybody about what works for them, but what, what is rest? And maybe, maybe more importantly, what I'm asking is what does it look like or what can it look like? Well, I mean, I think we all have ideas of what rest is. And so I Mm -hmm. think it could be lying down, closing your eyes. For me, I love reading. You know, I find reading very restful. I, but when I read, I usually read laying down on my side. I'm usually in my bed or on a couch, like with a big cozy blanket. It feels very nurturing. It feels very like warm and cozy, maybe even womb-like, if you will, right? Um mm-hmm. And I read, most of the stuff I read now is on a Kindle because what I have found is when I wake up in the middle of the night, and usually it's because I have to go to the bathroom, but if my mind starts to wander or I can't rest, I will grab my Kindle, which you know produces a low light so that it's not like it's some big bright blue light or something because sometimes mm-hmm. it's hard. You can't read in the middle of the night. You can have the little you know, light with the, um, you know, book light or something, but sometimes it's a really bright. So I read my Kindle probably for maybe like five minutes until I'm sleepy again. And then I put it down and then just try to go back to sleep. But I will also say, cause I'm, I'm not opposed to medication or supplements and stuff for sleep. I've, I, my thought is find what works for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I have found what works for me, and I've asked my practitioner about this, you know, everybody probably has a different take on this, but if I take two Benadryl at night, I that helps me get sleepy, one, you know, mm-hmm. and then I also notice that it helps me get back to sleep in the middle of the night. Now, I say this also laughing at myself because... I'm, this is probably a trance too, that I believe that I, you know, it's my trance of my two pink Benadryl, you know, that's what I need to go to sleep and, you know, we'll see what happens, but um, Mm -hmm. it's worked so far and it's not super harmful from what I know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) know? Right. Um, It's funny that you bring this up. I had a friend just yesterday where you're spending time together and he, was talking about melatonin and how he feels like in the last five years, that's become such a maybe important part of people's sleep and rest behavior. And he was kind of saying something similar that, you know, not as it's a trance, but he didn't describe it, but more of the, the, that melatonin's there. It gives him my comfort to maybe be able to sleep. It's like, okay, it's like, here's a, here's something that's going to aid me and I take it and it makes me feel good. And then, yeah. So it's like a trust thing. And so, Yes. Um, yeah, I just thought that was was really interesting. And sometimes we need to we we need the belief that you know we have the belief. I think this is just societal, probably that we need something outside of ourselves to help us do the thing that we're really trying to do. Right? Like I mm-hmm. need to take something to help me sleep, which you know that's probably a limiting belief. Maybe we don't really, but maybe we do. And I've tried all sorts of herbal things like the calms highland brands has this uh calms um you know you can get it at rainbow blossom or whole foods um there's all sorts of homeopathic that's a homeopathic remedy the cbd i know people who swear by cbd to sleep you know um 
And so maybe you need a little bit of something to just try to get you going, or maybe you don't. I think to each their own, right? Like everybody's mm-hmm. bodies are different. Everybody's, you know, where they're at. And mm-hmm. I, I'm at my, I also ended up having to do like a hormone replacement because I'm in my mid forties and, you know, in perimenopause, which I think people don't talk about either is like this change that women are going through hormonally. So, um, I, my doctor put me on some progesterone, which was supposed to help with sleep. And I think it has, um, but if I take, I can take one or two, if I take two, I'm having some crazy ass dreams. Mm -hmm. And so that's not very restful. So I only take one, but, um, so I think, you know, talking with your doctor about it too, because there might also be some, um, other things going on than just, you know you can't sleep or something. Right. And I'm really big into this theme now because of just where it is in forms of people who, you know, speaking of peak performance that we've talked about and um, kind of work with in a business called Perform Trance is that sleep equals or sleep and rest can equal recovery. So it's not so much about how you know much sleep rest, but what was your recovery level like? And there's so many kind of gadgets out there that kind of assesses for that, but it's becoming so important that actually major athletic programs around the country, professional and amateur, are giving all their athletes um, these little tracking devices that gauges their sleep and recovery. Um, Emphasis on the recovery because of now what science and kind of some data shows what that does to peak performance. Again, we can all feel that uh, Gosh, if I didn't get, if I only slept two hours last night, the, the kind of brain fog, the grogginess, but the connection of what that has to the the body and the movement, and then this the brain and how it functions is uh, becoming more evident. And so this the power of recovery, and even so, if, yeah, we're not, we can't sleep. The idea of how can we rest as a form of just recovery, the body obviously that's that's been obvious since day one but really the mind. Right. And And a lot. Yes. And I think, you know, if you are not resting or having some downtime in your brain, you know, sleep, that's why, you know, I'm, I'm not opposed to sleep. I really am all for sleep, but I think we put so much emphasis on sleep that we make it Mm -hmm. more anxious for ourselves. That's why I'm sort of saying, let's just rest first because maybe rest will lead to sleep is what I'm trying to say. But, um, I think, uh, well, now I lost my train of thought. Crap. Well, which happens well, to what, all of us. But what, here's another thing I wanted to talk about with all of this is when you're when you're at bedtime and you're getting ready to sleep. You know, are you noticing? Are you noticing you're anxious about going to sleep because you're like, oh shit, here we go again. I'm gonna have a crappy night's sleep, right? And noticing that because how we talk to ourselves also sets us up for success or failure, right? So mm-hmm. if in and, and so part one of the exercises I also give people is, you know, at bedtime, can you, you know, be intentional about saying, okay, you know, I've gone through my day. I don't need to be thinking about anything else for my day right now. I don't need to really be thinking about tomorrow. Right now, my only responsibility is to get a good night's rest, right? Mm-hmm. Which is the phrasing I use is because 
we're hoping that rest leads to sleep, but we're not putting all this pressure on ourselves to go to sleep, right? Right. Which is also funny that the, the book that I wrote for kids and parents was mm-hmm. Don't Go to Sleep, which is also a fish more facetious. But um, I am, I, I love the topic of sleep and rest. So, so yes, what's your intentionality at bedtime? Because here's the other thing is like, sometimes I think if our minds, you know, the, the minute your body starts to lay down and rest, your mind probably goes crazy because they're like, oh, you have time to pay attention to me now. I'm going to just speed up my thoughts and I'm going to give you all this stuff and all the things. And I'm going to, what about this? What about that? What about this? What did you do this? Here's your list, all the things. And, you know, if you, if you're noticing that and you can start just having a conversation in your own mind around like, you know, I don't need any of this right now. I will welcome this tomorrow when I wake up, when I'm ready for work, when I'm ready to start my day. But right now I don't, I don't need to be thinking about anything and whatever. And the intentionality I use is also whatever it is I need to know or remember, I trust that I'll remember it tomorrow when I wake up. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I think we're probably also keeping ourselves awake. Cause we're like, Oh, I got to remember that. I got to remember right. that. It's kind of like, they also tell you to have like a pen and paper on your bedside table. So that if you need to write things down, you can write things down and I think that's wonderful too. I actually <laughs> bought myself kind of in the Kindle light, you know, one of those like uh, electric note taking things that lights up so that mm-hmm. at, in the middle of the night, I can open it. I can open it up. I don't have to turn on a light and I can write things down. Um, you know, so that's another thought too. And that could be a progression of something you might need that, okay, right now I need to just get this out of my head and I'm going to write it down. Or can you also visualize, you know, like, okay, I'm going to let these thoughts go, let them release however you want to look at that. They're clouds in the sky floating by, they're leaves falling from the tree into the stream and floating down the stream. So that you're sort of focusing on a visual of your thoughts rather than trying to hold on to the thoughts because you're worried you won't remember them. Yeah. Yeah, and I like the idea of the the routine before you sleep because it makes me think of the relationship we have with sleep and how that can change. I've had clients, and then kind of lately now, my wife kind of really experiencing it. For whatever reason, maybe if we've kind of experienced a, a panic attack or high anxiety before sleep, or we wake up and we experience it, or maybe because we're putting pressure on us and we can't sleep. Well, then we can kind of start to dread sleep time. So when it gets dark outside, our anxiety kind of spikes up and our relationship with just the idea of beginning sleep or the routine of it or actually sleeping gets uneasy. And so it's changing, you know, that uh, trying to change that relationship we have with with sleep. But it's it's hard because just like what you said, the importance we play on it is uh, is heavy and maybe too heavy at times, which is right. I like where you're going that says, hey, well, let's try to take the pressure off. And that's maybe part of changing that kind of relationship. And when it does Mm -hmm. start to get dark outside, instead of start, you know, if you notice, again, the mindfulness of noticing, am I starting to worry about bedtime? Am I -hmm. I putting it off? Am I, you know, oh, I'm going to go take a shower and then I'm going to go do this and then I'm going to read my phone for a little bit because you're putting off versus can you give yourself permission Mm -hmm to not focus on sleep 
but focus on doing things that are restful. And so some people will say like, oh, I just scroll through Facebook for a little bit. That's fine if it's restful. I would also add if you, you know, whatever device you're scrolling on, you know, can you block the blue light, you know, have the blue light filter and stuff so that because that's a whole thing with the brain. Um, But just make sure whatever you're doing before bedtime feels restful rather than, you know, it's something that doesn't, you know, it's getting you worked up. It's, you know, engaging your mind. Maybe it's something when maybe that's part of what we're trying to say is are there things that are restful? Even for me, reading, it doesn't feel like it's engaging my mind. What it actually feels like, I figured this out, is it's it's sort of distracting me from my own life or my own things that I, you know, what do I need to do the next day? What do I, you know, all that stuff. It's sort of a distraction. So I'm focusing on the story because right now I'm reading a lot of fiction I'm just focusing on the story and this, it doesn't matter. The story doesn't mm-hmm. matter. So it's, it's like relaxing my mind. Um, Cause it's not anything that matters. So it feels like rest. Yeah. I love it. And I'm see if I'm going to see if it's okay. That in the last like 10 minutes or so to say the change, the subject, cause you brought it up earlier and it kind of what? relates to this, but it's something that I'm sure people I'm not, I, people are very interested by it and almost like people have a heavy opinion on it as well. And that's the idea. So when we are in sleep, the idea of dreams and what are their importance, if they're, if they are important and I'll give a little backstory. When I was at school at Louisville seminary, um, we had someone come in and do a dream analysis training, which I thought was really interesting and really uh, it peeks into the subconscious. But point being is, do you hold any weight within dreams and how do you make meaning if you do make meaning? Well, yes. I mean, I think, yeah, I think, I don't think it's, again, I'm a big fan of not beating yourself up. So if you don't mm-hmm. dream, it's fine. You know, like, don't think you have to dream. Or if you do dream and you dream very vividly, great. Like, whatever you're, we're not trying to say anything about one's right or wrong like that's totally you know not what we do this is like the rainbow of options here i think you know i've read a lot about dream analysis and um there's a lot of different takes on it i think what i how i make sense of it is looking for symbols right like i think of it more symbolically and i will say like i have had dreams that feel very much like premonitions you know like Mm -hmm me getting into a car accident and then you know a month later i did get into a car accident or whatever and so i think you know not i i think not letting it work you up but just Mm -hmm. maybe giving you more information so you know i've been taught to just look at the symbols and i think the symbols also come in your waking life but we're also we're usually too distracted to notice it so, you know, if, if you do dream, you know, I dream very vividly. I dream in color. Like someone asked me, do you dream in color? Do you dream in black and white? Um, so just looking for the symbols, you know, and, and I like the idea of, you know, one thought is that if you're in a house or a building, you know, and all the characters are in the house and the, that's like 
the the symbolic symbolism is that that the house is you and that these are all different parts of you um and that's interesting because it tells you different stuff but you know if you have a deer show up or a cat show up or the sun or the moon or the whatever it's just kind of looking at the symbols and i think first looking at what are those symbols mean to you you know how do what yeah. do you think the dream means like because that's i feel like we were taught in school you know with dream stuff is first ask the client what they think the dream means to them because it's it's symbolic and it's a little bit outside of the norm so it's helpful it's a little bit detached from somebody's everyday life but Somebody can say, oh, I think that means, you know, I've been struggling with whether or not I'm in the right workplace. Um, and now I, I, you know, it's kind of saying, you know, maybe you need to be looking at this other option or something. But first seeking, you know, again, I think uh, what we do, we do a lot of trying to empower people to pay attention to themselves and their own beliefs so I think that's, you know, really understanding or helping you understand what would that mean to you. I think it's still fun to look it up. Now you can look it up on the internet, say like, what's the dream symbolism of this or that? But, um, you know, or numbers, like I know, you know, focusing on numbers and all that stuff, like you see numbers all the time, like 1111, 222 or whatever. But what do you think, Rob? What, what's your take on it all? Yeah, well, what is one? And this comes from my bias of just the on the training I received, which is uh, you know, coming from one perspective, but it's similar to what you've described, and a little bit of of you know what we talked about Ericksonian as well. But that maybe there's not broad meaning to everything we see in a dream. So, for example. It is fun, but this belief says that if I dream of a deer and I go online and say, what does deer mean in dreams? And it means that you're, you know, let's just say that you're skittish. Well, it doesn't mean the same thing for everybody. It's our association from subconsciously what we associate to a deer. And this is interesting because it's the same way our subconscious works. We've done the game of the cube uh, before. But yeah, it's more of what we see, what we observe that other people and other information can't tell us or can't make meaning of our dreams, only we can, but that every meaning that our dreams or every dreams that we have all have meaning to us in some way because it's projections of ourselves similar to your house analogy and everyone that in the house. And so this is also similar, I think we talked about last time, that uh, within Ericksonian and you know John Lentz is this great exercise of kind of visualizing people in your life that you maybe you really admire and what you most admire about them is actually part of you. This it's similar um, that might be happening in the dream. And to to give you an example, within this training they asked for us to kind of come up with a dream that we've had recently and write it down. And you're supposed to be aware of you know when it was, what was going on in your life, and kind of things like that. And um, I had a dream that stuck out because it was the Jurassic Park. There was Whoa. a T-Rex yeah, kind of coming at me. And uh, this is when I was school, so a while ago. But point being, um, you change. Like if you had to erase, you circle all the nouns, and you search all the descriptions, people, place, and things. And then if you replace it 
with your associations to those things. So if I, with the T-Rex, was scary, dangerous, and it was heading towards me, and then you know I was in this car getting away that was like, you know, kind of maneuvering away, then it's the association. And then you rewrite the dream without all like the dinosaur, but more of just the associations. And it's incredibly powerful. And it really kind of shows that, yeah, that the subconscious really projects onto maybe feelings and experiences you're going through at that time. And it's using these images of whatever's going on in the dream, whether it's colors and you know, animals or whatever, as uh, just parts of your own feelings, beliefs, thoughts, and experiences. And so I just you know, think that's really interesting because the same things can kind of maybe happen um, with even like memories that we talk about, how they change over time based on the experience and the belief of the memory we have about the memory event yes. and just how yes. everything kind of change. And so it's, uh, it's just interesting. And, um, and just, yeah, just a wondering. Well, and I mean, it also, you know, the word that keeps coming to mind is process, you know, like mm -hmm. we're processing, like all of this is a processing, you know, our, our minds are like computers in some, in some form or fashion, right? Like, and hopefully we're using that to become more self-aware or to, right. you know, to be paying attention, which is a lot of what the mindfulness is about, right? Is awakening the autopilot is this feeling instead of just living on autopilot where we feel like we have no control over anything. We're just sort of at the whim of whatever's happening that we can sort of, you know, take more control over our choices, our beliefs, you know, how we do, like you, you, your first word came to you, maybe you did this on purpose, but you said deer, you know, you thought of skittishness. And to me, right. I, th I see deer, I think of elegance. Like I think mm -hmm. a deer is so beautiful. That, that's a great example of our own yeah. subconscious understanding and like, you know, the associations to deer. Yeah. yeah great job. It's a great yeah. example so it's just, of that. And see how that different that is that if, you know, we had a client who came in and said, what do you think that dream means? You know, exactly. and I said, well, well you're, yeah. you're skittish, you know, and then they were like, oh, that doesn't, you know, because again, right. like, I don't know, you know, I think we've been conditioned a lot of times to need things outside of ourselves. That's the beauty of television marketing and, you know, uh, magazine marketing and all the things of like, you need this thing to help you feel better or whatever. But, you know, I think our, our work is a lot about how do we help teach people to really trust themselves, to really listen to themselves. And I think that's why, you know, I feel strongly about this idea of first focus on rest, not mm -hmm. that we're not focusing on sleep, but we're not, we're not focusing on sleep. We're trusting that the sleep will come because sleep is very important but instead of putting a lot of pressure on ourselves to sleep, you know, let's just focus on finding what's restful to us. And sure, you could also say, well, now I'm going to put pressure on resting. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, well, be intentional about don't put the pressure on. Just be curious. Be curious about how do you allow your mind to rest throughout the day, right? Like, because you also need breaks throughout the day. So, again, at the stoplight, can you just stop? You don't pick up your phone, just look at that red light and just focus in on that red light. And when it turns green, you're ready to go because those you're only sitting at those red lights for like 30 seconds. I mean, I, don't, I think right. we think it's like, you know, five minutes, but it's really pretty quick. So if you can start 
to rest your mind for even those 30 seconds, you know, perhaps you even like start to notice your breathing while you're doing that, you know, and, and just, you'll see what else you notice, but, you know, seeing where you can rest throughout the day and then at night, you know, kind of thinking about, okay, I'm just going to rest and see where that takes me. And even asking yourself, I like the idea too, instead of like beating yourself up and say, well, I can't rest. I don't know how to rest. I'm not restful. This is not rest, you know, saying, what do I need right now to, to rest? What would rest look like right now? Or how can mm-hmm. I best, you know, rest right this moment? You know, like, I think I've had to really, I love bright, sunny rooms and, you know, spaces, but when I need to recharge and I re- need to rejuvenate, I want a dark room uh, where I can close my eyes and not, you know, feel like there's light coming through. I need earplugs. I need a warm blanket. Like I need something different to feel that rest. So I don't know, just start, you know, paying attention. I hope people take away that, you know, just you are the expert on yourself and mm-hmm. just start to notice and ask yourself some questions, get to know yourself a little bit better. Like, what is it that I really need? When, when am I resting? You know, I, and how do I find rest and all those things? So be, yeah, well said. Yeah. I'd be curious to see what people come up with. Right. And it's, yeah, the, I love what you, I kind of say it all the time is, you know, you, you're the expert in your own lives and, you know, take, take that inventory of, when you might need rest, what it looks like, what has worked, what hasn't, and without judgments or, and be curious. Yep. Yep. Well, excellent. Well, this was, this is a helpful uh, discussion because yeah, I, even again, you're coming back to recovery and it's everywhere in sports and your know, business about how you have to get sleep. And then that can cause anxiety, which makes us not sleep. So very helpful today. Meg, anything else before we close here? No, no, I think we've, we've covered anything I do. I would, I would love to hear a little update on the baby. I'm sure maybe our listeners want to hear about the baby too. So tell us a little bit about where, what baby's up to. So baby just had his two month doctor checkup and luckily everything's kind of going well and pretty smooth. He's, um, so if you believe in like the astrological signs, he's a cancer. And so I think we're already kind of seeing that where you're very (laughs) emotional. He can be you know, happy and excited one second and then very moody and unhappy the next, but it does make, make for some great and cute facial expressions, Aww. but, yes. but we're actually taking him to um, a little kind of nature walk later today. Cause it's so Ooh. nice outside. So we're kind of looking forward to that. Yeah. Well, in the stroller or will you put him in like yeah. a baby carrier or what? Okay, cool. In a stroller. Yeah. He loves you know, if he needs to be sued, talking about if he wants some rest and kind of needs yes. some rest, he loves being in the stroller and just kind of feeling that movement. Oh, yeah. I loved it. It was fun pushing, you know, pushing the stroller and just watching the baby just kind of yeah. either look around or drift off to sleep. Mm-hmm. To me, that felt very, like, calming. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I love it. Like, we walked last evening and it was so nice outside. It was windy. And um, he was just looking up kind of at the leaves we were, you know, walking under and just seeing him you know, learn and understand it is, is, is a cool thing. Sure. Well, that's good. I'm glad you gave us a little update. All right. Well, we'll see you again next week. Yes. Take care, everyone.